Hello and welcome everyone. I'm assuming podcast. This is number 17 in this long line of podcasts that we've got going. It's been a little while as it always is since the last one, but we're here today. We're all probably about four days out from round three and uh, I've got uh, all the lovely guests, uh, the lovely hosts and we've got one lovely guest today. We've got Ben, we've got Jack, and we've got Alex Moore joining us today. And uh, yeah, what what Let's podcast is one. he joining us on, Tate? Oh, the outside line. <laughs> yeah, cut that one. <laughs> yeah, nailed it. Perfect. <laughs> anyway, um, before we get too deep into uh, everything today, I guess we should probably have a quick chat about Alex. And uh, give us a bit of history about yourself for those that don't know. Yes, yeah, so, um, so <laughs> well, oh, he's, he's ready. He's ready. Oh. Get in there, Alex. It's when you like get that false red flag start, it's like the light's not green yet. <laughs> Do it again. Um, yeah, no. So um, I think when I was sort of eighteen, uh, like I, I grew up not in a motorsport house, um, but I remember, you know, when I was less than five years old. I just remember just being fascinated by um, watching the V8 supercars on TV. It's actually really funny. A few years back, I realized what the first car I actually sort of like looked at in awe was. Um, it was a really upsetting realization because it was Craig Lowndes' um, <laughs> green-eyed monster falcon from probably the <laughs> late 90s or so, maybe early 2000s, I can't remember. But then I realized that the car that I first, that just, I don't know, flicked the switch for me as a lad was an AU Falcon, which is uh, yeah. very upsetting. <laughs> um, and I don't know, I think from there, I guess that's what sort of triggered the obsession with cars. Like I imagine most of us grew up, you know, just obsessed with cars. And um, I think my brother was a big inspiration of that, but I wasn't from like a motorsport household or anything. Um, and my parents weren't, you know, weren't supportive of it. It's not that they were against it so much, but just that, you know, why would you waste your money on that sort of thing? Um, and then... When I was 18 or so, I'd finished high school. I sort of just went, I want to get into racing. I, the only thing stopping me is me. Like, just, I can just go and do it. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's always like one of my main bits of advice to young guys. And they're like, how do you get into it? It's like, you just do it. You just go and research what your local events are and you just go and do it. But to keep it brief, got into hill climb, um, got bored of that after about a year. Um, and just always wanted to go into the direction of drift. And um, the hill climb car that I'd built, um someone offered me this like really ratty one via like sylvia for it uh when i was trying to sell it and it was like it was gross but it had five start already done sr20 turbo manual nothing else um but that was enough for me i never really liked s13s but that was enough for me to go you know what like that's that's my entry like that's my way into this it's a swap so i don't have to deal with selling a car that's hard to sell then go and buying something of some person i don't want to meet the guy was a friend the car was pretty garbage but you know it was rego manual sr20 five star just that was it but all the stuff that you just make it easy and accessible um and then from there it was just do your typical mods coming from a sort of hill climb background i probably got more into some more um, I don't know how to put it, like more calculated modifications and that sort of thing. Um, and then started, yeah, drifting in, I reckon, maybe 2014, 2015. 
Um, got more and more serious about it, but with the lack of competition in South Australia after G1 wrapped up, um, was very much just a freestyle drifter with a strive for more competition, but didn't have the support to go, you know, interstate or to Mount Gambia sort of back in the day. Um, and then when the SA State Series came around, loved that, but, you know, life changed a bit, sort of started to burn out from it pretty quickly. Um, but now I've ended up uh, commentating um, the series, Ben sort of passed me the reins a bit. So that's been huge for me. Like it's, um, you know, I think like most of us, drift is a big part of my identity and no longer, you know, no, no longer driving. Like the car's still in the shed, it works, it's a bit, a bit trashed, but not driving, you know, once a month or whatever, or even once every three or six months was a big shock to me and a big change. And it's like, I've got this whole piece of my identity that I'm not experiencing anymore. So being able to still be involved, you know, with the drift schools, bit of instructing, bit of volunteering, and now the commentating has just been a really amazing thing to still be able to celebrate this part of my life, but in a more sustainable and accessible way, as obviously in the last two years, how accessible drift is financially has really changed, um, which, you know, when you've got your mortgages and things like that, it's hard to, you know, make everything work out. So being still able to, you know, celebrate that part of my life has been, yeah, amazing. Yeah, that's it. It's a great way to stay involved as well. So how did you find, like, transitioning from driving to being more behind the scenes, like, in a commentary role or in, uh, I think last year you did a lot of, like, pit reporting and stuff as well, but just general volunteering. How have you found that kind of, like, scratches that itch to stay involved with the community and keep drifting as a part of your life? I think that, at least on a competitive basis, I know that drift is sort of over for me in a competition way, or at least in a, for me, because I'm so competitive. Enjoying competition? Sorry? Like, enjoying competition? Is that that's kind the thing? Of thing? Like, yeah, enjoying yeah. competition. Like, for me, competition, like, I'm so competitive and, you know, it ruins everything. And the fastest way to not have fun drifting is to care too much about it. And, you know, I was always one of those guys, you know, Stuart Bryant was like, yep, you're an L1 driver, go and do it. I just, I just sucked at it. You know what I mean? But then I'm going drive L2 and I'm, you know, there was one event that I was first place qualifier and this, that, and the other. And Stewie's like, same car, same track, same layout. Why can't you just do that? in L1, I don't know, just the pressure and nerves got to me, but I think what I'm getting to is I burnt out and I hated that. And I really, as I was saying, I really hated that I didn't have that piece of my identity any, anymore. Um, so I had such an itch to get back into it, but I wanted to really put my own personal touch on things. So whilst I love volunteering, I wanted to do something and be known for it. And I just had such a passion for that. And I reckon I was sitting with Stewie one night and we just talked about the pit roaming stuff. And he was like, yeah, that'd be sick. Like, let's do that. It'll help with the live feed heaps. It adds a bit more personability to it. Like, you know, people watching yeah. can kind of, oh, you know, this guy was talking to, you know, that's like, you know, Scott Miller having a chat earlier. They actually get to know the driver so they can kind of vouch. Yeah. Like when you follow a sports team, like, you know, if you watch the footy, you really, you get passionate about your team winning because you've got an uh, a investment in your team. Do you know what I mean? And I think obviously at a state level championship, People don't really, a lot of just the random spectators that aren't too involved don't have that. And that was a good opportunity to try to give that to the spectators and for me to put my mark on something. Um, so in the transition into the, inside I've gone for so much, but the transition into commentating for me came so eager because I wanted to be involved and I wanted to sort of have my mark on it and still be, 
a personality in the whole thing. So I think I've been in the sport for so long. I know Stewie, Renee, you guys so well that I couldn't, I didn't want to just fade back into the sidelines kind of thing. So, and I love, I love public speaking. I don't know what it is, if it's an ego thing, but I love having a yarn. So it all comes from yeah, same. My line of work. <laughs> yeah. With my line of work, it's just talking the whole time really. So um, going into that setting is quite organic for me. Yeah. Yeah, and you know all all the drivers, you know the ins and outs, like you know um, what the judges are going to be looking for. You've done it for long enough that you've got that knowledge in the back of your head. So the bit you, I guess you're probably focusing on is actually the talking, not not the content so much. Yeah, well, the content is just, you just call it as you see it. Because, yeah, as you said, you know it all. I know everyone driving. If not, I'd go meet them, go have a chat to them. You know the cars, you know the specs, you know the difference between, a, you know, the little things, a sailing versus a good ride, all that sort of stuff, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's why I thought I, I might get you on the uh, the podcast, just so, I mean, when you're commentating, you probably don't get too much of a chance to talk about your own history and, and what you've done. But now when people hear you up in the commentary booth, they're going to have a little bit of a, a snapshot of your history and, and what you're about. So I think that's a pretty cool thing Amazing. to uh, to get out there. Uh, so I guess now we should probably, uh, now everyone knows who Alex is, we should probably get into uh, the rest of everything. What has everyone been up to? It's been a little while since we've had one of these, which is sort of how we roll, I guess, at this stage. Yeah, it's one before an event, one Jack, after an yeah. event, that's it. That's <laughs> all you get. Well, no, not yeah, if, if we don't have an event. Not even times. Times. Well, a before event and, uh, or an after. Um, so, Jack, you've been on a bit of a trek all over the country in uh, yeah. a certain vehicle. <laughs> Yeah. Why don't you tell us about that? Oh, yeah. Sorry. That was a just a random decision to fly up to Queensland, um, buy a car, break it, fix it, drift it, whatever happened. Um, ended up breaking it. <laughs> so surprise, 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 surprise. Um, but no, that was an awesome little little getaway. I recommend doing it, as uh, Alex said, sort of thing. You just got to do things sometimes, yeah. like especially when you can, like. A month or two ago, I went over to Keep It Reap for a Friday night drifting, and that was just like what Ben wants to go do. Um, just a random Friday night thing, and that was probably that was a good trip. You know, that, that's some good memories for me. And and um, yeah, so randomly decided I wanted to go to Queensland anyway to catch up with the boys. And there was a few YouTubers and that coming over that I sort of I watch a bit of and stuff like that. So. I didn't want to tow all the way up because I broke the VE at last pack anyway. So yeah, decided to buy an AU Falcon and and uh, fly up there, drive it around for four or five days, and then uh, made it home. So yeah, part two of my YouTube video will be up tomorrow night. So a little plug there. <clears throat> um, what is your uh, what is your? I uh, just I uh, just uh, YouTube forward slash um, I don't even know Jackson Snell. I think that's it. Jackson Snell. That's me. So yeah, that um, is you. and I still have an AU Falcon with a, a random two hundred dollar Gumtree car uh, box trailer hooked to it, um, parked out in a paddock. So, so if anyone wants a vehicle to do drift school in, you know, you drive all the way home. Yeah, to that Vehicon. Well, it's cold. It's oh, no, yeah, nah. in the middle of winter. Nah, yeah, give was, us some thought. It had um, yeah, everything worked except cruise control because it had a. Aftermarket steering wheel. Yeah. Well, the diff still worked. I don't know. It still did a burnout when we got home, but it was not no longer locked. You know, it was more of a welded LSD, I guess. I don't know. Um, 
Yeah, aircon worked. Everything worked. Just no cruise because the steering wheel normally has the buttons for the cruise control. So that sucked. Oh, dude, it's the worst. I drove my partner's car from Melbourne to Adelaide with no cruise control. And I'm like, God, this is like just cramping yeah. out the wazoo. Yeah. So how was it driving in auto? Uh, look, around, Archie's... around in auto. How'd you find that? Archie's wicked in the dry in an auto AU. They're like perfectly geared for it. And you just hold it in first. And it does like 88 Ks an hour or something in first. So it's fast enough that you can hock it into the back corner, into the hairpin. Um, but yeah, on the Thursday night, it was killer. It did heaps of laps. And then Saturday, which will be on this next video coming out, we got a total of maybe six laps um, in the wet. And it was patchy as heck. Um, and it just, I don't get Obviously, unloaded wrong, broke the diff. And that was it. I, could, I was going to weld it there, but I literally took a little bag of tools on the airplane with me. And I hate borrowing stuff off people. Even though like, heaps of people are like, oh, here, like, we've got a welder and shit. And Fink's dragging a welder out of the canteen. But I'm just like, it's too hard. I'll just watch. But made some good memories and met some good people. So, yeah. Sounds good. What about yourself, Ben? Uh, yeah, I've, I've done not much lately. Just breaking my car and crashing more. Uh, I did Winterfest, what, the weekend before Keeper Reap, I think it was. Mm. Um, yeah. I would have done Keeper Reap, but when Jack told me that he was doing it, I had already entered Winterfest. So I was like, well, I guess I'm doing that. That was fun. Um, I did heaps of laps with, like, with Brody, which was really good. Um, two Commodores just doing Commodore things. And, um, yeah, and then did Prack. Uh, well, the Prack that we did the other week, because Malala has brought back Night Pracks. Mm, and it yeah. is. Yes, thank God for that. It was shitty and cold and rainy, and it's the best Prack I've done Just, in the last it's, year. It's your roots, you know? It's where it all began. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, the vibe was awesome. Um, it was really good, because, obviously, everyone's been asking Malala for, like, for Night Pracks to come back. And for even with the shitty weather, there would have been probably 60 cars there that night like especially in b group b group was packed but it was great night good fun jack broke his tail shaft on like the third lap or something of the night and then i uh, destroyed my clutch on the first lap of the last session doing backies so um now my car is sitting in the corner and it's just gonna sit there until i have money to sitting in the corner play, play again sitting I've in the water corner way to get Instagram fixed. stories yeah, yeah. So in the corner, yeah, I had to um, reverse it off the trailer and around the house and up the side um, with no clutch, like, you know, the clutch like, um, not being able to disengage. So I was like, literally start a motor on the trailer backwards around park, close the door. Okay, that's it. You're done. <laughs> I'll come back to you in a few months after I've saved money for an engine rebuild, a new clutch and a gearbox rebuild. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's me. How about yourself, Tate? How, how have you been? You went for an adventure. I did go on an adventure. First interstate drifting trip I've uh, done. Headed over to it, uh, Winter Matsuri at Winton and uh, shared the missile with the Stewie. So that was a bloody good time. Um, driving, driving over there wasn't nearly as bad as I remember as a kid because we did lots of trips from Melbourne to uh, Adelaide, and I hated them. But, uh, you know, driving yourself and stopping when you want to stop, not so bad. Mm. And, uh, yeah, Vicks were super inviting. Um, we actually, Stewie put the call out for somewhere for us to stay, like, I swear, the day or two before <laughs> the event. And, like, 
I'm like, oh, here we go. So we we ended up bunking in the on the floor of um, some Vic dudes Airbnb, and he was snoring so loud. <laughs> I like bailed out and I slept in the laundry. <laughs> and some one of the dudes went because it was a second toilet in there, and I'm like, ah, uh, I don't think anyone will want to come in here because the better toilet is in the hallway. One of the dudes opened the door up and it like pushed up against my mattress and he was like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. But he did not expect to come into there and expect to see someone laying on the floor. Hey, at so, least he's seen you, yeah, he was... didn't stop. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't in the toilet. If he was sitting on me, he really fucked up. If I can chime in. You know, I'm glad he didn't. I'm glad he didn't already have it out. One time on a footy trip, oh, someone, someone fell asleep in the bathtub at like a footy trip last year and someone walked in, started doing a number two. And the guy in the bathroom oh. was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> and then he opened his mouth. Oh, wow, <laughs> oh, it's not that kind of podcast well, yet. That place oh, already happening. <laughs> Yeah, so um, uh, the arrange that side of things was uh, was sick. The the track over there is awesome, particularly for Matt Siri. Like, just it links up and flows really well. Um, some pretty fast stuff too. Uh, surprisingly, like we took the missile over, and the last time I drove that was with well, you Ben at Winterfest, mm-hmm. and I got three laps out of a session, and it was misfiring. So I chucked a whole bunch of parts at it. Sixty series radiator, just like. Uh, cut, yeah, cut, cut the front off and then just welded on, booger welded on some mounts. And uh, <laughs> surprisingly, that thing went all weekend. Me and Stewie were in like different sessions, so I got twice as much driving as anyone else. Um, had no real, no real issue other than the fuel filler cap coming off and spraying fuel everywhere. And uh, yeah, it was a sick weekend. So uh, Sweet I'm, ass. I am keen to do some more interstate stuff, but the problem is all of them are like the weekend before something in SA, like round. There's just there's so much going on. You have to kind of like decide what you want to sacrifice. Like I, I have made the decision, like because I don't think I'll be doing comps again, especially if I stay with the VS. Like I'm going to do more party stuff. And I'm like, well, I've part, I've done all the party events here in SA, like so. I do want to focus on, you know, doing some interstate stuff because I've been driving for 10 years now and I've only driven in SA. Every time we've gone into state for drifting, it's just been like with Jack's car or something like that. So definitely want to get over there and, and have some fun with our Eastern State brothers. Yeah, it's cool meeting new people and, yeah, getting getting to know everyone in the different states. So keep it read or um, Drift X. Drift X is the weekend before round four and five <laughs> so it's a little hard um yeah. i've got a an offer to go over there and i really want to but i'm gonna have to see because i'm gonna if i'm gonna do it i'm gonna take one car to one event and then the other car to the other one otherwise i know for sure i'll break something yeah, well, so it's where the you think smoky is where you're going is, is that the <laughs> i've got i've got a block back so i think i'm good but <laughs> Finally, it's only taken three months. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that'd be a, a good thing to do. I think everyone's after COVID is uh, pretty, they were keen to get drifting again. And now everyone's keen to uh, to go hang out in some different states. Yeah, definitely. What about you, Alex? Obviously, you haven't been drifting and you've been uh, hiding the car away in the yeah, corner. Yeah, sort of every weekend I go, no, oh, I haven't turned the car on since I drove it last in November. Maybe I should do that, you know, run some fuel through it. And then I go, 
Anyway, but no, look, I think, you know, part of being burnt out from it is actually acknowledging that and not just driving the next event. So the car's sat and I haven't really, I've thought about a lot about what I want to do with it, but I haven't touched it. And probably just trying to, I think when you go your whole life or your whole adult life only doing, like putting your money towards drifting, you sort of want to look into other things to just find that enjoyment and scratch that itch and that excitement and that adrenaline. So I've sort of gotten into like motorcycling in like a very relaxed way um, and then just playing like footy and a um, bit of surfing and then just started a new sort of uh, step up in my profession, which has just meant so much time um, being sacrificed. So to be honest, on my end, not a lot to report. Um, just sort of keep counting down the days till the next event so I can have that involvement again and start thinking about, you know, the car, but how things are kind of taking priority at the moment. But, you know, there's plenty of time, you know, the car's in the shed, it runs, it drives, which means that I don't have to be stressed about when I can do it again. It's just waiting until I'm ready to do it again, to do it again for yeah. me. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Now, no, still... We've all had breaks. Yeah. We've all had breaks over time. Mm. Like I, and I think a lot of people had the break when there was no comps to do it, which is what I did. And yeah, yeah, that's that's when I saved for a house because I didn't have anything else to do. <laughs> um, and um, and sick, I got sick of rental inspections. Oh, I got sick of uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's. I mean, we all we all took breaks, and it's actually really a really good thing to yeah. do occasionally. Is go and do something different and come back to it when you're feeling a bit, bit more up to it. Uh, well, um, now we're caught up with everyone, I guess. Uh, we've got event coming up this weekend. It's uh, obviously the comp is on the Sunday, but we've also got Prac on Saturday and we're finally going to have an advanced drift school. Yay! Obviously, we've been running schools out on the skid pen for a while, but they've sort of they're only skills, the school's really built to get up to a certain level. So now we have the entirety of Malalar to ourselves. And I'm pretty excited for it because I know years ago I did the Drift Techniques one that Simon ran and that helped me massively back in the day. Um, push push myself to go harder, get closer. And uh, yeah, it's it's cool to have that back in in SA. The, um, it's also the only chance you have to drive um, Southerns in reverse. Yeah. Actually, I forgot about cool. that. The, yeah. um, the drift techniques that Simon ran back in the day, now to think, but that would have been the first. Like when I bought the Sylvia, I did some motor cars and stuff just because I saw they were there and cheap and an opportunity for seat time, the, you know, the key ingredient. But the drift techniques, yeah, would have been the first um, driving that I did back in the day. And for anyone getting into it, yeah, do a drift school. Like get a pro to teach you what your car should feel like just the little one percenters, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty keen. We've got um, got Southerns backwards. Uh, we've got like a, a bit of a peanut truck going on turn one, and then we're also running the S's. Yeah, as so well as skid pan. You get, as a, well get a chance for the you know donuts as well as and then skid pan, yeah. for the if you for your first time and you just want to get the feel for it. So yeah, it's heaps going yeah, on for I, that. I think it's a good bridging between, because um, at the moment when you do drift school out at the bend, you you sort of get to the stage you can link a co- link a corner together, and then there's nothing like you're pretty much on your own 
all the way up to L2. Mm. Um, and there's a, there's a lot to learn and get your head around in that, in that space. So this should really be a big help for guys going out and wanting to, that want to do L2 or want to get the, like the tandem skills up or trying to hit certain zones around the track at the S's probably later in the day, I'd like to set up like a, um, speed gate and maybe some cones for clipping points so people get a bit of a chance to run a, a comp like layout without actually having to enter mm, yeah for sure so uh got that going and we've got a pretty stacked field for um l1 and l2 it's looking like yeah for sure we've got some of the the big players we've got um jake jones coming back so uh, I imagine he'll be in the Sonvia. And uh, Dale Campaign, Scott Miller, Nathan Greenhill, um, and a whole bunch of other really top-notch dudes. So I'm, I think it's going to be pretty stacked out there. Yeah, it's yeah, definitely going to be a, 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 um, a pretty pretty aggressive uh, competition, as well as the um, not being more basic, but only being two turns. It's way more technical. Um and we've seen some like super super aggressive battles um, at this layout at Mala because you know you have to fight for every inch on a layout like this where there's really only one transition yeah. to um to really stamp your authority like we've like yourself and Millet um, going back a couple of years ago Tate like some of the most aggressive driving I've ever seen you do and it's just because you only have this little window of opportunity to show what you've got. Uh, it's going to be really good seeing um, everyone step up, as well as L2 having the same, it should be the same run-up as L1. So instead of having yep, a, short, a shortened run-up like we have at the bend, uh, we're going to have to see the actual true difference between an L2 and an L1 driver given the same piece of track to see how much more you have to put in in L1 to be able to get to, to the top seven of the podium. I feel like this layout yeah, because it's like, as you're saying, with it really just being, you know, like it's it's that back it in or bring it in sort of layout where it's like, it's not like, say, the reverse layout where you've got that, you know, quick big scandal, hook it up, and then that really, like, techie stuff through the middle, which, like, for me, I suck at the first half of that, but I can do the techie stuff. It's one of those ones where it's like, you don't get a, I'm good at this bit, but bad at this bit. It's like, go yeah. out and do it, and it's, you know, Big flick, aggression, catch it, flick it back around, aggression. There's no, you know, oh, I'm going to suck at this beer, but I can make up for it here. It's just go and get it done. Exactly right. You have to go in 100% at the time, 100% the whole run. Like, yeah. Yeah, you can't do, like, massive entries and then be like, okay, my car's slow through the technical section or whatever, but I can do a wicked big entry on the wall. And everyone goes, wow, like, that's crazy. This is, like, 100%. 100% effort yeah, and everything. Yeah, like I said, I was about to say, Ben, pretty much the same thing you just said at the start. Um, it is, it's the it's a short layout and it doesn't seem technical, um, but it is even back back in the day with, um, what was that comp I used to? ADGP. ADGP, when they obviously first did it, you know, it was like, this is weird, but it was like so hard to do. Um Especially like, when you've done Malala for the last 10 years and you're way, so yeah. used to having the reference points to take the yeah, normal line through turn exactly one right, yeah. to, to then force yourself to go, no, I don't actually enter here. I'm entering 30, 40, 50 metres later, mm. 
with way more speed and then having to like then reduce the radius of turn one because you're actually going further around yeah. and then have that awkward transition over the where it goes from being technically off the track to rejoin the circuit on the transition like it is way way more technical than it looks like on a piece of paper or from like you know the the, the shot in the sky of the track so yeah there really is no landmark or like no point of all. reference on that that entry you, you chuck it and you're like i I did it like this last time and it kind of worked, so I'll do it again. Yeah. But it's very hard to like have any kind of judgment of where you're throwing the car in. I guess the what? And also, I do... you're right, okay. Oh, sorry. No, you, no, you go, mate. No, you... And this is. <laughs> no, you go, mate. It's all good. Uh, and, and this is one of the layouts where you have to be on their door. The whole run. Yeah. The closest. Or not, you can't get away with working your way into <laughs> it. You have to be on their door right at the initiation because if you don't you get hosed and you don't have enough time to catch it back up like some of the other layouts where you do like go along the wall and go right if you sort of muck up the start of that and you're not right on their door you can catch it up through the corner and then and obviously points aren't going to be as good but they're not going to be terrible where with this one, if you're not right on their door as you enter, you're not going to be able to catch that back yeah, up. Yeah, and if you try and maybe a little bit, if you try and drive, the, two, if not. you try and drive, uh, like dive the transition as well, all you happens is you float wide as the other person drives away from you. That's right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You really. This is one of the ones where you really you can't. You got to be sitting front wheel on their you know back door or back, you know just in front of their back wheel. You can't cut them off as a chase car because it, it yeah it will just stuff you up because like that that radius of that of turn two. Um, changes again with this layout, so you can't. You got to almost sit back a little bit on them. You can't dive too hard on them, um, otherwise you will you'll stuff yourself up through the transition. But one thing that is going to be cool. I only just seen it today. I think it was the first post I've seen of it. Is the um the being able to look uh, park on the inside of the track and um and watch as well, which I think is where we're going to be judging from possibly as well. Yeah, because there's no stands. The stands are closed yeah. at the moment. So, um yeah, basically there's going to be a park and view area in the basically in the burnout pad. So yeah, if, you, yeah. if you've been to Malala before and you're on the mounds looking at turn one, if you look across the far side, there's a big burnout pad, which is completely covered in rubber at the moment because there was burnouts last weekend. Um But... There's going to be, I think they're going to try and get a truck in for the judges. Um, unfortunately for you, Alex, you're going to be halfway down the straight in the commentary tower. Um, I looking, sit down there on the side, bring your binoculars. And not being able to see anything after they transition into two because you'd just be dutched in smoke. So have fun with that. But if it's like there was last time, Will and the crew will have like a little feed of the live stream. Yeah, he's giving me the thumbs up. So yeah. So basically. Um, <laughs> Danny and I last year, we'd watch the like initiation and the entry and then just look at the TV to actually see what was going on because you couldn't see nothing. So, um, yeah. But if you want to go watch as a, as a spectator, um, yeah, you can park on the inside of Turn 1. So I'm, I'm devo that I'm not going to be there this weekend, but I am so looking forward to seeing some of the media that comes out. It's like the photography and, and the videos because like, you don't get an opportunity to get shots from that spot ever. <laughs> It's an awesome view because yeah. I've 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 broken down and been part there. Like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you, I've done lineup before where you you it's a real long line and you're looking across mm-hmm. and it's probably the best yeah. view of that section of track is from the inside there, being able to see the cars like 
being able to gauge their distance from essentially the inside of the corner in turn one and uh, get nice, reasonably close to you going into the transition into turn two is going to be sick. So, um, you have toilets and things out there, I think, too. So, food, have yeah. all the amenities, maybe even a food truck. Yeah. Um, I think the only thing is there's going to be like set times that you can drive yeah. out there because obviously you're driving normally. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that is going to be something anyway, that should be cool. I'm so I'm so keen, like between commentating, I'm so keen to go watch from there just because like as we're saying, for me, you know, I haven't been in the sport as long as you guys, but you know, we've been going to Malala for oh look, before I was driving since I was a kid, like 2010, so you know, 12 years, but it's always like the same views around the various like mm-hmm. outer zones around the track and like as a driver exactly right. yeah. i used to love when you got those big map like those you know those events that were packed of events so you, your full-up time took a while i'd always be sitting in my car like looking back at the infield of turn yeah. one and actually seeing yeah. that cool view of cars coming through so i think from a spectator point of view that's so so exciting and i think definitely guys that have been watching the sport for a while would be so so keen for that yeah, definitely. I remember back in the day in G1 when I used to run the, the form up on the back straight. Um, same thing, like if, if I wasn't wrangling cars, I'd just be just watching across the track because I'm like, I can watch this and no one else can. And it's the best, it's the best view. And seeing like the outer of turns, so even though I've just said seeing the outer is not my thing, but more so like seeing how far back they're sitting over turn two and getting that kind of wide line to let the chase car tuck up. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. Yeah, so uh, I guess uh, that's probably the main talking points that I actually had for this podcast. Mm. So we can go a little bit off topic now if you want. We've got some questions from the Facebooks and the Instagrams, Instagrams. And stuff, yeah. Instagrams and stuff that we can uh, answer. So do you want to uh, load some of those up? We can do that. While, while we do that, we the first question... Uh, is one that we already partially took. And it wasn't actually a question at all. Just more of a, a statement. <laughs> AU Falcons. Has anyone got AU thoughts, Falcons. thoughts on AU Falcons? Because that's one of the not-so-questions that we got I asked. do. I do. And it ties in with one of the ones we got from Instagram. So I might start with that one. Um, which was... Who was from? It was from Matt Riley. Or Matty Riley, sorry. Um, and he asked, where do you guys see the future of Drift going? Um, which is it's a really interesting topic, especially now with everything becoming so expensive in terms of cars, tires, fuel, Mm. like all that stuff. I do see drift in the next five to 10 years becoming like such a high entry point price wise that it is going to be hard and scary to take up drifting. Like it's, it's like that now. It is honestly, it's like like, now. Like 10, (laughs) 10 years ago, not even 10 years ago, five years ago, five grand, you could buy a turbo manual R32, Estadane, whatever. It would be not great, but it would be turbo manual and probably defected or whatever. But like you could buy that and go to the track, maybe weld the diff or put an LSD in it and you could drift. Like Mm. these days, the only way to do that for that sort of money, like sub 5K is to buy a Falcon or a Commodore. That's, That's it. Maybe a BMW if you can find it. Can I wait on that? I think as well what's like, and that's kind of like the bottom, like 
That's your entry point. But I think yeah, that's your entry, well, yeah. it's insane. I was talking to this about someone at work um, that was sort of asking, you know, what I'm drifting in the past. And now, obviously, my car, you know, it's a very typical all corners covered drift car. And for those that don't know, you know, and it's just, you know, it's just your coils, Nismo two-way, seat, harness, everything suspension done, almost 300 kilos on the 85. Um, and like, obviously, like you give that to Scott Miller. I mean, he showed this against Greenhill at the first Malwa round back in 2019. You give that to Miller, he could, he could win in that car. Do you know what I mean? So not to say, because it, it is the driver. And you know, as they say, if you can't, if you can't, drive well on a low-powered car with soft lock, grunt and knuckles won't do anything for you. But I think what's really interesting is like my car, when I sort of finished it around 2016, 2017, it didn't really get many more things from there. That was kind of like the pro-level car. Like that was sort of like yeah. the in the realm of the top-end car. You'd see it a state series, you know what I mean? Like, and that's just, you know, like back in the day, you could have a Nismo two-way or a Weldy, whatever, some mid-level coilovers, you know, not, you know, Shockworks or anything, an RB25 box, an SR20 or whatever, you know, that sort of 400 to 600 horsepower rain, some cut and shut knuckles, some adjustable arms here and there. Like, and that, that was it, you know, and that was what every podium car sort of had in like 2016 and that sort of era. And I feel like that was where the tipping point that was where it shifted and it's just grown exponentially that like your podium car now, you know, the diff in a lot of them is worth more than the whole car. Like yeah. you're running huge power, 20 round gearboxes, you know, you're not seeing your ISC coilovers so much. You're seeing your shop works. You're not seeing your SR20 is too much. You see a handful of them, but you're seeing big sixes and V8s and that sort of thing. So I think it's become so much of like a higher hanging fruit both to get in, but also to stay competitive. And get to the top, mm. yeah. yeah. That, is, that is a thing in South Australia, though, because, like, I've tried, I've drifted in pretty much every state now, yeah. but the the level of the car in South Australia has, like you said, it's only been the last maybe four or five years uh, that I can remember that cars, there's been the odd car, like, you know, like... Um, like the old CTS car and stuff like that. Yeah, that was, that, like but that, that was or... out of the norm that, compared that to where it is now. Car, that is, you know, what you cars like, you know, like Elliot's, Elliot's Laurel back in the day and stuff like that. You know, yeah. whereas, you know, you look at Dale Campaign's car that's been around for years, you know, um, that still progressed obviously over time. But back in 2014, 2015-ish, when I was going to Perth and Queensland and stuff like that, I had my VYU, but I was still going against people in... 350Zs with fucking dog boxes and and supercharged all that oh, sort of stuff. But that, that, all that was East also a, na a national series as well. I know, yeah, 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 for sure. But but even in in South Australia though, there wasn't any of those cars. Mm -hmm. Not really. You know, there was the odd like I said, there was the odd one. But over there, there was you know there was still half the the drift community or whatever you want to call it um, was that sort of car. But going to Archfield a couple of weeks ago or last weekend, it was VS Commodore Utes. Five liter VS Commodore Utes, AU Falcons, and like, uh, what are they like V thirty five Skylines? That was it. There was like two JZX one hundreds that rocked up, um, Jacob and Ricky, and then the rest of them were like beaters. Yeah, but that's and, it. Was also like a, a beater style event. Like it is like yeah, it's but, not like you're rocking up to a to a, like you know a state series comp at at Archie doing that. 
Like, look at, um, like, the what's the Black Arts one? Like, the street-style comp? Exactly like, right. Those street-style comp cars style are comp. still at, you know, it's still good diffs, good boxes, knuckles, like, like you know, coilovers, good shit in them. So, like, yeah. even to do a, a fun comp, like, you still yeah. have, like, people dumping 30k into a car minimum. You know what's yeah. nuts, though? But I think the knowledge has been like that for a while. Do you have this that? other category as well, and this has never been a big thing in SA. You'll get it too tight. <laughs> there is like the style guys, but they're more like that 90s Jap style. And you can see there's a handful of guys, like one of my favorite, like Adam Aiello, for example, really into like that really pure style of his car. But in terms of like super developed cars, and I'm not knocking Queensland guys at all, but I remember like there was a point, I think it was Queensland or maybe Sydney, where there was like a lot of guys that were running like really high spec cars but in like a really casual non-competitive version of driving like kind of like the hit and run guys back in the day maybe gravy garage and those sort of boys i think as far as where we're running like you know big motors big gearboxes that sort of thing but not competing which is not like a dig or anything yeah but those gravy garage cars and that a lot of them were just very still basic cars yeah, they yeah. just looked sick yeah, yeah also they they do the big like big gearbox, big diff for reliability rather than yeah you know two Advent, two, like yeah, yeah. two six fives and stuff yeah. like that. Like that's a very Japanese way. But like if you look at a lot of like mid level Jap cars, they are always over engineered in the drive line just for pure just reliability drive. sake. Yeah, or they want to have big power and yeah, but they haven't necessarily got the grip. Like yeah. they haven't worried exactly about right. yeah raising in the car to get that grip for it to really do anything other than just fucking Blaze. light tires yeah. up. Now you're trying to yeah. say something Tate. Yeah Tate. Before you're... Oh, I was saying um, it, it, I think it used to be a bit of the, the case too where people would buy the parts because that's what race car parts, that's what race cars yeah. have. They didn't really know how to use them yeah. or how to make the car utilise them and as time has gone on Drifters progressed and the knowledge 100%. bank is built yeah. up, and people now are, are buying those parts, but also having a bit of an idea how to use them. And so you're actually seeing those parts have more of an effect than they used to because you've got people setting cars up and, and building them, being able to actually utilize the parts that are in them rather than just for reliability or race car sake. Mm -hmm. So I think that's also a factor in it. Yeah, for sure. All right, cool. So, yeah. So future drifting How, is expensive. We went expensive. from AU Falcons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the future is the, the future, future is, is, is really really expensive. But um, yeah. it, it is all back on that. If you, if you find any AU manual Falcons, I'll buy one because I want a manual conversion. <laughs> it's like not even that. What did I buy that AU off you or your brother or whatever from Tate like two years ago for like fifteen hundred bucks, and now I can't even find a manual yeah. AU gearbox for a thousand dollars. You know, I can't even find one. Yeah, I'm I'm like on marketplace at the moment, just having a scroll every now and then, and like I see like a T5 conversion for a Commodore, which like I used to buy and sell for five hundred dollars every day of the week, and like mm. people are asking like fifteen hundred two grand for a thirty-five year old gearbox that shatters third. Is like it's absolutely fucking ridiculous. Like the the just the pricing on parts, and it is it is getting to the point where like it is gonna be real hard like just the barrier to entry to drifting is just gonna come to the point where it's 5k isn't gonna get you into a drift car anymore like you're gonna be looking at 10 20 grand minimum for something that's gonna be that's half decent and it's just 
it's the way it is, unfortunately. Like, I just got offered a bunch of 33 shells when I put an Insta story up the other day saying, oh, I might be over the Commodore. Like, someone sold me a cheap 33. And I've got people trying to sell me 33s that are missing, like, half of the car. And they're like, yeah, no, nah, I won't, uh, like, you know, I don't want you know, stupid money for it. Just, like, four grand. And it's like, it's not even rolling. And it's like, fucking hell, man. Like, I think what's stuff about the most, because I work with teenagers, obviously, and, you know, a lot of them know that, you know, I've got the background in this. And it's so heartbreaking, like, talking to kids that are like me, you know, mm-hmm. 15 years ago. And they're like, oh, I really want to buy an S13, like a Type X or, you know, an R32. And it's like... Yeah, cool. That's 30, 30 to 40K so now, man. Yeah. 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 And it's like, it's like, oh, I want to get into drift. You know, I want to buy an S13. And it's like, the way things are going, like, how are you going to get a Commodore? Do you know what yeah. I mean? That, that's so heartbreaking yeah. for the next generation. I think we didn't realize how good we I'm had it. Yeah, that's it. It yeah. is. That's also kind of like someone in our generation going, "Man, I really want a Z twenty eight. Yeah, that was the issue about like, like, I think there's yeah. a bit of that going on too. Like, we remember the S thirteen. Also, if you want access thing, to a semi competitive car that's going to go straight fast, you can still buy something and relatively cheap. Like, it the 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 trying to find a chassis to drift is the issue as well because like the stuff that we know drifts really well is gone or like price to the boat yeah. whereas now yeah. we've got people like me and jack and you know um showtime and au house and stuff that are trying to make these chassis that aren't designed for drifting and are, in all essence is fucking terrible and try to make them work as as best we can and it is it does suck that like the stuff that really was good is getting harder and harder to find. Like anything Japanese, anything European that handles well is just either no longer available or it's just way too expensive to just fight throwing well, it even all. That, even that Beamer that I, I had, my partner had last two weeks ago, we, I just advertised that for what we played for it maybe, I don't know, six months ago. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get everyone haggling me down. I had like 50 messages for that car. And it was like the first guy that was like, pretty much got the first guy that actually messaged me and goes, what's your bank details? I'm giving you a deposit. And he come from Melbourne. He drove over from Melbourne to get it. And that was just the e- manual E46. He didn't even want the running gear. Even I was considering buying that off here. Yeah. Oh, dude, for what it was. And but I'm he'll like, take oh, that home that and so, pull right. the running gear out of it and get half his money back selling that motor and box. Yeah, to a point, yeah, yeah, exactly right. But it's just like, it was like, I probably should have put it up for more, but I was just like, oh, whatever. Like, it's just sitting there doing nothing. I'll put it up for pretty much what we, you know, what I owes us or whatever. And, and it was like 50 people messaged me. I'm like, this is the first guy. I was like, I'm buying it. What's your bank details? And it's just like, all right, cool. Like, I'm putting the trailer on now. I'm coming. Where are you coming from? Melbourne. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think, like, that's what, that's what made it hard for me to want to get back into it. Because I'm sort of like, if I proper wrote the Sylvia off, or even, like, popped the motor, like... I don't think I'd ever drive again. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. like, I, I always bought, like, yeah. I've been on the lookout for like something what my mate Phil bought, that convertible black 350Z he bought off Duca. And like, or like that E46, or even just like a defected or like, or a stat ride off like V35. Like, I've sort of been keeping an eye on everything, just doing the occasional marketplace, you know, search. Just because it's like, if I ride the Sylvia off, like, I can't buy anything to get back into this. No. Like, I'm not going to spend, you know, over 20 on just what I've currently got. 
it's like, mm. and it's kind of like, you know, I was happy drifting the Sylvia because as I said before, it was a piece of crap and I got it. You know, I made it nice and now it's crap again. But like, as a kid, it's like, I was happy to drift the Sylvia because it was probably a four grand car back in the day. Cause you know what I mean? So I was happy to trash a four grand car. Yeah. I always, you know, we all were, that's why they're not four grand cars anymore. Yeah, that's exactly like, right. Yeah. If you want to get into it, it's like you don't. Want I don't to know if you can say that too loud. Just to right. What do you mean? Maybe write it off. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's not the only. That's not the only cheap Jap car that I've ruined. Thirty-two Ford or oh, S fourteen. I didn't ruin. I just sold it. But you know, it happens. <laughs> uh yeah. So yeah. But yeah. Anyway, that's uh Anyway, the future is we're all, grim. We're all, yeah, we're, we're all. Saying. I, I think I think we are at the um the what do you call it? like the peak or the, yeah, the plateauing with that yeah. sort of stuff though because I have seen obviously I look at I look for a lot of Commodore stuff um, and even JZX stuff. It's like that stuff has it started it started to dip but it's never going to be like it was five years ago. I yeah. no no, um, no and yeah it, if it is it's going to be a long yeah. time yeah that's it so what we're sort of waiting on and what my brother and i talked about a while back when we started realizing that just buying an rb like you can't get an rb30 anymore from newport i mean you might be able to no but like you, you, know, you need to get 25s for bugger roll and yeah. sr20s you know we sold for a thousand dollars once like a perfect one and it's like what my brother and i were talking about and he's an engineer so he's really switched on with this sort of stuff and development like is what motor is there? And we're talking something modern and unassuming, like something in like a brand new Corolla or something in a, and like not, not a performance motor, but you know how like you look at the SR20 VET and it's just infinitely better than anything you can do with a black red top SR. Yeah. And it's kind of like the one thing that I'm hoping will happen. And I'm not going to be the guy to do it. My brother could be the guy to do it, but he won't be because he doesn't care enough. Is like someone to come along and go, or the random motor in something like a current model, I don't know, like MX-5 or like a current model, yeah. like something really unassuming where there's going to be the RB30 quantity of them with no current, like, like the Camry V6s or whatever, those really good ones. Like mm. something that's really yeah. unassuming that can be someone, you know, builds a kit or something that makes them, you know, north-south and mountable and that sort of thing and just waiting another 10 years for like, a chassis to come through, which again, like whatever's front and rear at the moment, like MX-5s or maybe BRZs and that. Yeah. Something to come through where there is just like a stockpile of motors that can be used, that are modern enough, that can make power and be reliable because they breathe well, but common enough that they're not going to turn into what the golden era stuff yeah. turned into. You kind of see that with K24s a little bit. Like yeah. there is a fair amount of, because they came in like Accords and Odysseys. So like yeah. there was a, a fair few of them around. Um, yeah. yeah, in terms of chassis, basically it's the the eight six is really the only yeah. only thing you see. Kind of like what V eights are to the Americans, where you can be like, I don't know if you guys ever watched like Roadkill when yeah. it was on YouTube. Yeah, um, yeah, and when Motor Trend used like, to be Oh, I bought this like Unibago because it came with a big block. Yeah, kind of thing. yeah. Like we need something well, like you've that. Got like um the so that not the i thirty n but the one below that that's a 1.6 liter turbo hot hatches out there um I, that I are turbo the, four the cylinder biggest, and we just need to figure out how to go i think yeah. the biggest yeah. issue we have at the moment with like the the new new stuff is direct injection um getting because it is really fit. i don't know if you guys have been watching um chelsea with his eco boost uh fox body build but like it looks like direct 
injection is a real pain when you want to start like making power and numbers because it's it's a lot more finicky than just putting it in the intake so yeah that's i think that's probably the biggest concern when it comes to like a, a like a very very modern like package that you might see a lot of is is basically everything brand new now is going that direct injection route okay mm. yeah. i guess you'd have to do an intake an aftermarket intake with side feed yeah some, some something like that injectors in them or, or that way for that, that technology to progress to the point where it is easy to fuck with yeah yeah like because yeah. we're trying to make a new thing work the old way it's like evs for example mm -hmm. like people can bag evs as much as they want it's funny watching people can do but like they're so fast you know what yeah. i mean and if we're just looking at performance in, in terms of just acceleration they're so good maybe that what we need is that direct injection to teeth and people work out how to make it good mm, yeah mm. no that that was the future will yeah go. that's it basically the future will be what the future is but stockpile au's and commodores because that's the next thing well they're already fucking going up like jesus christ i've been I'm stockpiling. I've been trying to keep an eye out for a shelf to replace mine, and it's just like ridiculous. Like Even... that meme where it's like, if you go back in time, it's like, don't sell your S13 before. Yeah, hey. yeah. Like, buy it, get as much space as you can. And buy I, I you am can. that guy. I sold my S14 for four or four and a half, like three years ago. And it's like, yeah. yeah and like, literally, I had a split waterline on the servo. That was the only thing, and it was defected. That was the only thing that was wrong with it. And I was like, yeah, cool. That's a. 20k car now. I also bought a Sephiro and crashed into a wall on purpose. Once, <laughs> more than once. Uh, once was on purpose. Then the the topping of VE Ute into the front of my car was was not on purpose. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it wasn't your fault. That's so what happens when you get in a, question a train. Yeah, go go for gold, Tate. I'll, I'll cut you off there. Um. Uh, another question we've got: What point do you guys think low power becomes more of a hindrance when learning? Depends on how. Oh, so he's asking how low is too low in terms of learning? How low, I think yeah. How low is too low? Well, how much? How low is so sort of not so, letting you any response? Like upgrade four four age four age. You know, sixty yeah. sixty kilowatts kind of thing would probably like be you have to drive something like a 4 age or like an NASR or something like that different. Like, you have to drive like a low-power car. Like, it's all about foot-flat, big hucks, ramming the clutch. I've drifted some really, really low-power cars back in the day. Like, I had a um, a 2SC Corona, so it was a 2-litre single-cam overhead... Was it overhead cam or overhead valve? Old Toyota motor. That was oh, on L That was it was Carby and it had been on LPG for so long that the Carby had brought it out so it didn't run on petrol. So it was on gas. And I drove that thing and that was probably at the limit of too low. Like that was like you couldn't link the S's. Like you had to do the first turn, drive straight, build up speed, go left, drive straight into the last corner, and then it like you couldn't. But you didn't have fun, you know. Oh, yeah, it was super fun. I had like yeah, thirteen, that's what back to seventy is. pounds. Especially when you're in that tier of it. Yeah, so that was like when I first started. But like, that probably wasn't a hindrance. But like, that's at the point, especially on like somewhere as big as Malaria. Also, depends on where you're driving. 
if you aren't... I was about to say, it depends on where you drive. Because, yeah. like I said, I've driven auto AUs and VNs at Malala, and it's been okay because you can get some speed. But obviously, I have some sort of skill I'm not learning. Um, but going to Archie the other week with the auto AU, like, I was, like, really giving her the beans. And it's it wasn't easy. Especially being auto because you can't Wadar it. No, that's right. And you got to use so much speed in that. Um, and learn, look, driving on a track with walls, it's like it'd be scary learning there. Mm. Um, like they do their learners nights and stuff like that. But it, like I said, it's it's the track as well. Um, yeah. But anything that's rear wheel drive and essentially has a locked diff, you can drift. Yeah. yeah. Like, I feel like, know what it well, is. Like this question of how low is not enough, like, where is the not enough power? Or is, is really a power to weight or power to gear ratio thing. It's not just a power thing, but yeah. I think like I think it was Ben's made a really good point that and like Stewie's a driver that does this really well. There's like if I got in a four age K seventy, I probably couldn't drive it because I've only ever driven a Sylvia and I'm used to that. And that's a that's a me. And you're used to that power as well. You used yeah. to be able to just drive like this and not drive like that. Yeah, and I remember back in twenty I remember twenty seventeen, um, me and like you guys would have met him in Mount Gambia, um, Yoshi Shinazaki, who's a you know, Formula Drift Japan driver, drives a big power JZ X one hundred over there. We were off somewhere, um, and he was in a like a K seventy with like what's the non for like the four K C or four A C or whatever yeah, it is? Yeah, like the non four yeah, age. Yeah. And I was sitting that with him and granted it was wet, but it's like this is a guy that drives a big, you know, Mark II, huge power car. And he'd drive it quite as you drive a big power car. But then it's like, he got, he got in this like 4AC or 4K K70. And it's just like, it was driving I've never seen before. So it's yeah. kind of like, if you're a beginner, I think just don't ever blame, like assuming this question's come from a beginner, like don't ever blame the car just sort it out and if it means drive straight do a corner drive straight to the next one do the next corner just sort it out mm. yeah yeah don't don't ever go as a learner and go look at the guys who are linking say Malala for example linking it up and go why can't I do it like it all takes time and progression yeah. and seat time it's like the gym, no one becomes like, if you go to the gym and see a massive guy bench press 100 kegs and you can do 20 don't look at that and be like oh I suck just be like that doesn't affect exactly right. you. Do you like? Yeah, you're on your own journey. Yeah, you're on your own journey. Just do your own thing. Yeah, and 100%. just every time you drive, focus on doing better than you last time. So like, you go, yeah, exactly right. Last time, last time I couldn't do this corner, and you go, I want to focus on doing that. So you get that corner, and you're like, yeah. oh, okay, now I want to like do the next one, and then like once you can do both of them, go, okay, now I want to focus on trying to connect them, and you know, work work mm. on yourself in stages. Don't just go out and go. I've just bought a car. I should be able to link a track. Like, I want to blaze a whole track yeah, and you yeah. know, this, that, and the other and fourth gear entries. It's not yeah. how it works. And that was such a rude awakening when I first started driving. And I was like, I went home so deflated. I was like, I really didn't think I'd suck that much. Mm-hmm. And five years later, to 10 years later, I really didn't think I'd suck this much. <laughs> <laughs> But it is it is hard. It's There's not a, it's not an easy sport. Like no, it is no, it is no. completely a complete different skill to I driving think, yeah, a car if, normally. If you grow up like playing like a typical sport, like I think most Aussie kids, like, like let me sorry, let me rephrase, most kids that grew up in Australia tend to be pretty good at like cricket, footy, soccer, something, you know, because they do PE or whatever. 
and it's just mm. having modal body skills, like having like the ability to move your limbs. And I think going into like drift, it's like, it's really for a lot of people. And there's some guys you see on their first prac and you're like, wow, you are so good straight away. That's insane. Like Jordan Badcock on the always comes mm. to mind. But like, there's like, it's not really something that you just, for a lot of people can expect to be naturally good at. Yeah, definitely. There's a, there's a lot of um, inputs that your body does without your brain yeah. really yeah. noticing it too. Like there's a lot of automatic stuff that you do when you drive and your conscious mind has no yeah. idea that it's going on. Like we're at the stage now where we drift and we can be thinking about almost anything. Like we'll, we'll be something we saw in the crowd or looking up the sky going, oh, my brain a bit later. Yeah, I think about weird shit. And you know what? I think of the dumbest shit sometimes. Yeah. What I notice that happens every time I go do a comp, I swear, I have at least one run like this, is you go up and you, you're in automatic mode. And just before you go to huck it in, your brain switches to like conscious. And you're like, I have no fucking idea. Where is the entry point? Do I pull the handbrake and push the oh, car yeah, at yeah. the same time? You are, you are now conscious yeah. and about you go your breathing. The, at, <laughs> yeah oh, shut up. And, and it's always the worst run yeah but it happens yeah, for exactly me right. at least once in every comp is just like my conscious that, brain yeah. is given that the is one of the, the hardest things i've 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 experienced with like being a teacher at drift school and stuff like that it's so freaking hard to tell someone what to do. Yeah, because you're like oh, time, I, just do it. I don't know what i'm doing you, you, yeah, yeah. You just just go around this cone how you, you just do it like you go in the car and you turn and then you let go and yeah, they're like oh yeah. what so they turn in let go of the steering wheel car goes straight it's like oh, no oh no sorry yeah. you gotta put your foot down <laughs> and they do that and then they drive off straight faster like it's so hard to like explain the first, like, the first time I that i taught at drift school and i was like in that v35 and um, it's like oh like i'm not getting it like can you drive for a second I watch you and you tell me what you do. And I was like, yeah, for sure. And I got in, I was like, what if I egg this? I've never driven this car before. Really um, that car really takes, it really is a real natural to drive. But it was so funny doing it because it was like, I was like, oh, okay, so what I'm going to do here is I'm going to like start to bring the throttle on and I'm going to like turn in when I kind of feel it. And I just started doing it. And I was like, I don't really know what I did. I just kind of turned and yeah. it does that and it is and yeah. But they're exactly right. You them watching you do it. Like my partner did drift school a couple of drift schools ago. She could not get the hang of it at all. I drove my. It was in my car. I got in it and just did it. I literally didn't say a word. She got back in it and did it straight away. Yeah, yeah. And it was like it's something as simple as doing donuts and figure eights around. Oh, cones. Just, someone, just seeing someone do it. Yeah, and yeah, being in the like, car <laughs> feeling what. Oh, yeah. he what? turned the wheel and it felt like this, and then he got on the throttle and it felt like this. Like to actually yeah. put that together with like how you feel and what the inputs are, you kind of like starts to process in your brain a little bit more as well. I mean, there's, there's probably like... some people out there that that can go do this, 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 this because they can explain it. Some I, people drive like that too. Some people will drive go do this, 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 this. Like it's it's yeah. Yeah, um, and they'll, it's they'll a skill. Yeah. Process, Teaching the stuff is actually a skill. hundred percent. You develop over doing of the schools is when you first start there you go i don't really know what i tell this person to do just clutch kick it and go with it and eventually you're like you start to figure out what works and what doesn't work with students and you're like oh okay this is the path yeah. they need to go 
I think with um with having like what you're saying about your partner getting in the car with you is that like I think a lot of like guys that have never been in a drift car that want to learn how to drift kind of have to sit in a car with someone else doing it just to physically feel what the car feels like when it's drifting. Because mm. I think a lot of people you watch when you teach them and they're like they first break traction and they go oh fuck like you're not that that's how you crap and they stop mm. and actually yeah. even this reassurance like it is meant to feel like that yeah yeah, yeah. exactly right yeah. And a little, one more little thing, just like, imagine you're sitting in a car, and this is what Stuart Ryan and I were talking about years back about like going into left-hand drive and why the handbrake in a left-hand drive car, a right-hand drive guy will often put it on the left of them. Is like, just imagine you're in a car, like you just feel like, you know, you're going to turn one at Malabar and like physically pull the handbrake, right? Like do it with me, like, yeah, you know, and like, Pull the handbrake to initiate, right? Uh, I have no, that one. <laughs> what is, what is, did you notice, like, you part of your body naturally do something? Yeah, yank the wheel. And your left leg probably twitched. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think a lot of them, it is that, like, what Tate was saying, all that subconscious stuff where it's like, if I visualize pulling a handbrake, like, I'm doing it right now, I will naturally extend my left leg. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's kind of like, I guess the similarity for us, for our learning curve was like, if we drove a left-hand car, if I pull the hammer in my right hand, there is no link to like, I have to put the clutch. Yeah. And that's, that's, mm. that's, developing a lot that's of called muscle factors. memory. Like it's, it's just yeah something that happens from repeated doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. Yeah. And you can't yeah. teach it. Yeah. You can you can try because I tried to teach Renee to do handbrake entries <laughs> and took me about three or four laps to figure out she wasn't pushing the clutch. In. Yeah, but I think heaps. I, I did that the first. I went, oh, that didn't work because I didn't put the clutch in because I was probably trying to brace myself in the car. <laughs> nice. Oh, uh, all right. Do we? We've been going for like anyway. a little bit over an hour. Do we want one, one more question? Uh, you, you. Uh, yeah. Got time. Look, she, I, I had a quick quick question about um, real drive work utes becoming the next starter car. Maybe sure. manual Hilux. Use... Yeah, Hilux. Like I have, a, I have a, like a shit like that. An Alloy Tech Rodeo is a daily at the moment, like a manual one. And like in the wet, it goes alright. It's got a half decent LSD, and with like the highway trains on it, they they're really slippery in the wet. So, but like, yeah, it it could be a thing. But then again, like something like my Rodeo is. Like, you know, it's a 2007 pack with a petrol motor. It's still, like, a six or seven grand car. Like, especially, like, mm. Hiluxes and stuff like that. Like, oh, yeah. Hiluxes are big they money. They need elsewhere as well. Yeah. It's not just our niche. Yeah. So, it could be a thing. But, again, it's just, like, whether you could get one cheap. I think the, 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 the moral of the story at the moment is, like... And also, they're kind of weird, like, because most of those two-wheel drive ones are torsion bar front as well, which is fucking terrible in terms you of, like, so handling. so much stuff about such terrible cars. <laughs> yeah. So, like, there has been... Um, there's been a couple of, like, Rodeos and stuff coming out and doing pracs and stuff like that, and, like, it's leaf spring rear and torsion bar front, like, in terms of, like, that tradie-style ute. So, like, they are not really designed for for that and then turning turning and and sliding and also then if you do want to start progressing you basically you don't have a front suspension like at all in terms of like you don't have somewhere to put a coil over and stuff like that so like you look at like alex Voigt's ute the mazda bravo that is 
all like it's all custom uh, strut towers. It's custom rear strut towers. Like that whole car is basically the the frame rail and then an exoskeleton of all the suspension. Like so, mm. if you do want to progress with something like that and turn it into something, you know, you do an engine swap and you get lock and stuff like that. It's um it's a, a very expensive or time consuming exercise depending on your your level of fabrication. As well, like when someone messages in and says, like, oh, like this ute, and like Jack, please correct me here if I'm wrong. But I feel like there's a because I've never drifted a ute other than like my daily when you you know in the way, um, yeah, a bit but of fun. I feel like I feel like there's a really big misconception that people go like the people that haven't been driving before kind of look at utes and go, Oh, like there's no weight over the rear end, so therefore, like it's gonna be really good at drifting, but it's like Drift cars need to be balanced. Yeah. You know what I mean? A, a sedan, True. like, when he's missing this example, because I don't think about Commodores, but like, say that there was like a Sylvia Ute, or like, let's go with like a Laurel because it's a longer car. Like, say there was like a Laurel, like, st- as standard Ute, and like a Laurel, Laurel, and like, you know, it was a Ute with lighter at the rear end. I don't really expect it would make it any better because the balance would be. Like, Correct. yeah, so that's so fine. Like, I think that people have this idea of like, oh, for drifting, like, you need to have no weight over the rear end. And it's like, no, you make the car do that by drive, like, yeah. you make the car slide and brake traction by driving. You don't want to have no weight. It's hard, like, if you have no weight in the rear, it's just going to keep rotating, it's not going to have yeah, anything to grip. Yeah. yeah, no weight means no control. And then the, yeah, yeah, exactly that. the other thing with Utes, like, yeah, in terms of like a Commodore or a Falcon or something like that, is Utes are usually slightly longer wheelbase as well. So uh, yeah. it does make them more stable, like, because a longer yeah. car is more stable to drive, but they also transition a lot slower. And when they get out of, like, out of hand and you, you try and get too aggressive with them, there's just no saving it because it's like this big pendulum that you've just released and sent. So um, they are, they are not, the best and like you do see like so fun to chase though like my favorite memory in drift is probably right when i like came back and did my last comp and i was chasing jack and it would have been night session that one where you like flick at the bowl and then come yeah. back around it's like the reverse layout yeah. of the standard one mm-hmm. and like it was chasing jack's veu that white one you had and then like tim greaves's vz whatever it is you and like chasing them is just so like it's like cathartic because they're so like and this isn't like an insult to you no, no, that's, I mean, that's what heard it out. that's how like they are yeah. like they just go that way you have so much time just to go up and they're so predictable compared to say like an 86k 70 sort of floor plan snap, where it's snap. just like yeah now it's over there now it's over there now yeah. it's over there it's all well and good until you like you're right up on the door and then they tra- start transitioning and you realize that like you've backed off to like tuck your nose in yeah. and and you're yeah, still halfway the down the tub be like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> really gotta get on the anchors there yeah 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 no it is like that i've had that question heaps with going from a u to a sedan and i love my sedan over the u yeah. u was cool for the practicability of where every time I went to an event, I could just put everything in the back. Chuck it that's in the U. Chuck it in the U. Um, that's about it. The the sedan's 10 times better than the U was. Um, the U was actually heavier than the sedan, believe it or not. Um, and it wasn't that unbalanced. Like, VE Utes are pretty well gripped up and 
and they uh, have a lot of weight in the back reason- too as well. Yeah, they're reasonably well balanced anyway. It's just the thing's a foot and a half longer than the sedan. So like Ben was saying, it's like a it was easy to drive because it was so big, but it was also it almost made it shit to to compete in because you drive it aggressively. I could, yeah, I could. Or well, you drive it super it. aggressively, and you're like, I'm like snapping the shit out of this thing, and then you watch it on like from a video, and it's like, and it's just like, oh, <laughs> like, but it's like that's I couldn't get an advantage competing in it a lot of the time because um, people chasing me like Couldn't I was a reasonably it. smooth lead driver, and they just they had every opportunity they they needed to be able to good do a good chase on me. Whereas flip side, com- competing in the VE now the sedan. Um, pretty much every battle I've had, I'll, I'll pretty much run into everyone that I've driven with because I can't slow the fucking thing down. So it's that's where I've gone with that car now. It's like, okay, it's yeah, it's heavy, but I need to be able to slow the car down as well. Like I've hit three or four people because I can't slow it down when it's sideways. So I don't know. All right. I got, I got one more. A couple more questions. It'll be one quick one because I think Alex has got about five minutes before he's going to jet off. I think you said 8.30. So um, this one's from Chris Vigor, and it's, what's the favourite car you've owned? Uh, we've all had a few cars, so, like, have, have yeah, you can, can go, go first. Okay, Alex. I've owned a Suzuki Swift GDI. Oh, you can list it on a hand. Oh, God. Yeah, okay. oh, my God. I, I, I could lose a finger. I've owned a Swift GDI NS13, a... Mazda 323, like a mid-90s little daily runabout when I decided the SDM was yeah. a streetcar. And then my Falcon. So I've owned four. So when you guys are talking, you know, I have my Sephiro, my S40. It was like, I've owned one Sylvia. There, was, there was another question. Was how many shells have the Snells had in the last five years? And I would run out of figures. <laughs> like... Because you guys, I reckon, like, I, I don't know what, Ben, where you are with rotating cars at the moment. I look at Jack and I'm like, Bro, you have more cars in six months than yeah. my whole life. Yeah, it's pretty standard. We have we have peaks. Like sometimes we'll get bored and just like bang, 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 bang. Like I reckon I've had. Well, I had the I got the Rodeo before that. I had the Jeep before that. I had um, the VT. Actually, I had that VT for like a year. So there you go. I had that one for a while. But look to answer the question spiritually, obviously yeah. my S13. Like that car is like so much my whole identity. But like this little Mazda three two three I had. Fucking loved it. Like, because it was just a thousand dollars first time in my life I bought a cheap runabout. The key went in, it turned on. You had to pump the accelerator because it didn't yep. have a fuel injector in it. Because I, I'd never owned a car, but it's just like you put the key in, it turns on. And it does, like, if you described a car to like an alien and it described it back, like you get in, it drives yeah. you somewhere, you get out, it does nothing else. I don't know, like, that's just the, fa- like, my favourite car. Pure essence ever. of car. Just this little yeah. shitbox. That reminds me, I also had an yeah. N16 in the last six months. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, <laughs> maybe you should kill that to yourself. Uh, what about you, Jack? Jack's your favourite car. Um, look, I've had a lot. There's a lot that I regret selling. Oh, Probably yeah, that's the best, best way to... Let's not go that list. No, let's, we're not going to go there, but two cars that I miss, um, or, or two of my favourite cars, sorry, would be probably, I've had three Laurels. Uh, the silver one, which was a twin-turbo one, junk, absolute shitbox. Purple Laurel, probably, yeah, I reckon that's probably the one I missed. That was that's the, the one that Guardian ended up with, with, wasn't it? The one that Guardian ended up with and did a fucking barrel roll at Melilla yeah. with, um, and then decided to do a barrel roll on the way home as well, <laughs> off the car trailer, but... um. 
that that car to me had the most memories, the most fun, the most you know uh, off track experiences, um, and and probably it, it, it almost be it almost be on par with the gold barrel that Stewie ended up with, but. I, knew, I didn't have any. No, don't tell him that. Don't tell him where the gold ended up. <laughs> oh, sorry. The gold one I just didn't. The gold one I didn't have the memories with, sort of thing. Like that car was known from before I owned it, and then from after I owned it, sort of thing. So it's like I loved the car. It was so cool, and that was the first car that I built. You know, put everything in it myself, like by myself. Um, I bought it as a bare, complete shell off of um, Kenny, and that was the first car, sort of bought everything for and put the motor together and did everything myself. Um, but yeah, both those Laurels, probably the, my, my favourites. Along with about probably 200 others, but... Yeah. Tate? Well, my pride and joy is the E30. I was hoping you'd say but that. <laughs> honestly, that, that, that car is to the point now where I'm, it's worth so much and I've got so much like time and money invested into it. It's fun to drive, but I spend the entire time getting concerned I'm going to hurt it somehow. Um, the most fun car that I ever had was a Gemini. Yeah, now we're talking. And that, that Gemini, I think it was a 1.6. It had a locked diff. It was an absolute piece of shit. You couldn't put things in the boot because they would fall out of the boot through the bottom <laughs> floor. But And it, it would only ever drift in the wet. So as a not quite kid, but you know, 19. I could only drift it at certain times, which kept me under control. But whenever it got wet was the time for this car to shine. And it went everywhere pretty much sideways. And I tried to hit guardrails when drifting and sold it for twice the amount that I bought it for. And it was just the, it was just the best time. So that was probably the most fun car. I had a Sylvia on the street, but I think that thing was still more fun. Yeah. No, nice. What about what about you, Ben? Oh, um, we've gone, gone full yeah, circle. we go full circle. I've had like eleven Gemini's, something like that, and they were all fun. Um, I'd have to say I had two Coronas, and Jack will know both of them. One will be the um, obviously the the blue one that I see a swapped. Like that thing was. That thing was that was the first time I had like an actual like cool car. Like the first time I'd like actually gone oh, okay. Like you know, I'll do do it cool, make a cool car. It drove like fucking shit, um, but like it was the cool, and it was the first time I felt that like I'd actually completely expressed myself in a car, the way the way I had a car that was exactly how I wanted it to to look. And and, mm. and and feel and, and it showed my personality. The other Corona um, was that brown piece of shit, the death machine Corona. Oh, yeah. yeah. Jack, the one you, the lazy. Yeah, the one that uh, we welded the diff in and then I reversed out the driveway and it immediately snapped an axle. So it had a lazy. And that <laughs> thing would, like, it was only four, it was, it was a four speed 2S, like the, the carbureted one. And that thing in the dry with its 14s on stockies on the back, you'd like sit at the lights in fourth gear on Main North Road, and then the light would go green. You'd, you'd valve float it and drop the clutch, and like literally do a 600 meter long burnout in a Corona. It was the best. And then when I bought it, 
someone had put falcon springs in it, but they didn't do the traditional put a falcon spring, chop it in half, and put it inside. No, they put full size falcon springs and put a four by four badge on the back. So the thing was like lifted, and then we chopped those, but they'd been lifted for so long and it had snapped both the rear shock absorbers. So the diff just kind of did this. So it had, had a it lazy, so and it was so bad. Like it was, it was nicknamed the death machine for a reason. And I got defected in that car, and it, it really needed to be defected. It, it was one of the cars you pretty much said, well, I never got defected. You're like, yeah, yeah. That, that had to be done. So the cop, the cop pulled me over because I, I was driving down the road, and the back of the car was just going in a circle because it had like no shocks or anything. The cop pulls me over and goes, Do you know why I pulled you over? I'm like, yeah, it's pretty obvious. And he goes, look, your car, like the suspension's broken. He, he rocks my car like this. And I had a Red Bull sitting on the center console because, you know, no cup holders because it's an 80s Toyota. And I just end up with Red Bull on my seat. And he looks at it and goes, how far from here do you live? And I'm like, about 20 minutes that way. And he's like, you have half an hour to get home. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then I broke the diff on the way home. I broke the diff on the way home and had to go. I think you had to take me to mum's. And then we flat towed yeah. it home. Because I, I literally yeah. went, oh, one I'm going to do burnouts many, on the way home, and I snapped the One tip. of many cars, one of the many cars that I have rope-towed Ben home. Yeah. I don't think he ever towed me home. I think I rope-towed you home a good half dozen yeah, times. Yeah, something like that. I was a bit more rough on the gear. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, with that wonderful story, I think, um, <laughs> well, if Alex has to go 8.30, he's two minutes late. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make a boogie anyway. Yeah, all right, very good. Um, Tate, do the honors for us, please, sir. Thanks for watching. <laughs> uh, <laughs> put me on the spot here. Thanks for having me, boys. I thought you were leading somewhere with no. that. No, <laughs> uh, Jack, what's your Insta, TikTok, and Snapchat? Uh, it's it's Jackson Snell, and uh, on the YouTube's mate, trying to smash the YouTube's. It's uh, just Jackson Snell. About you, Alex? Um, not massive on it. Not saying he's behaved. Gilmore Drift Triple Six is the uh, Instagram, which I'm more than, you're more than welcome to send me messages this Sunday when I'm doing the commentary um, to that one there. That's Gilmore Drift Triple Six. YouTube wise, it's just going to be heaps of videos on how to do maths. So uh, <laughs> I'll probably not. Oh, that's. I, I think anyone's so keen on yeah. lessons. Just so oh, yeah, they might actually understand Stewie's point system. <laughs> Oh no! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the, I feel like this might be my background because I have a degree in math, but I'm like, everyone's always like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. And I was like, this is the simplest. <laughs> it is. It is if you pay attention. I get like... that everyone struggles with it. Everyone no, everyone hates like, it because they're like, why aren't I doing better? That's yeah. why. Yeah. Drive better. And it doesn't drive good, and it doesn't matter what the system is. If you drive good, you win. That's it. Um, yes, I am Bogan Zoku on Instagram and uh, now on TikTok because I've been sucked into that rabbit hole. Yeah, I've I've spent too many nights laying in bed like this and then going, I've got to get up at work in four hours. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. I have a YouTube, but I don't really do much, but it's also Bogan Zoku. There you go. What about you, Tate? Righto. I am the one arm bandit, and that is the 17th podcast from the outside line. Hope to see everyone out Sunday at round three, soaking up the sun or in their cars doing skids. And uh, we will see you on, or you'll listen to us on the next podcast. Bye.